Welcome to Kickstart the Conversation, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, marketing, and business growth. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Well, then you've come to the right place. Here on Kickstart the Conversation, we have real, honest conversations about what it takes to build a successful business in today's world. No fluff, no BS, just real talk about the challenges and opportunities that come with being an entrepreneur and growing your business. Whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned business owner, we've got something for you. From expert interviews to actionable strategies you can implement immediately, we'll help you get clarity, build momentum, and achieve your goals. So sit back, relax, and get ready to kickstart the conversation with your host, the quiz queen, Catherine O'Leary. Hey everyone, welcome back to Kickstart the Conversation. I'm your host, Catherine O'Leary, and I am here with Sean Delaney, for those of you who haven't figured out that I'm Irish now, but uh, Sean is here with us. Sean is a an accomplished business executive. He has almost as many, if not more, top uh, Fortune 50 companies in his repertoire, as you've heard me say about mine. So we were just reminiscing about some of the, I guess, um, war stories that come yes, from- that's a good way to say it. Yeah, some war stories that come from the corporate world. Sean is the founder and CEO of What If, a business acceleration company, which is dedicated to educating, protecting, and motivating business owners to achieve their highest levels of success and impact in the world. Uh, his current focus is to help every business owner and operator who is hungry to scale do so in the most effective and enjoyable way possible. Because here's the thing, you might scale and blow yourself up because you don't actually have some of the foundational things that you need to um, to have in place before you really scale. So it's all great to talk about scaling. It's another thing to actually be ready to scale. And, and Sean's going to kind of talk a little bit more about that with us today. Sean has been working with the likes of uh, MetLife and Nike and other of the Fortune 100. And what I love about the conversation that Sean and I had just before this was that it actually doesn't matter in the sense of, you're a billion dollar company, you're Apple or you're Tesla, or you're a solopreneur, the foundations end up being very similar, if not the same. And Sean, I want to uh, welcome you to the conversation and let's talk a little bit more about that foundational. Yes. Thank you, Catherine. That was great. Did I write any of that? That sounds great. I like it better when you say it than when I wrote <laughs> it. That's fantastic. I sound I sound cooler than I think I might be. I so, love yes. <laughs> So over the 25 years, yes, the biggest thing that I found in working with the Nikes, Ubers, MetLife, J&Js of the world is that all business is the same. Every company is different, but all business is the same. It's just a value exchange between individuals. And we've overcomplicated it. And big business, uh, because of po politics and social dynamics and, and just the nature of nature, silos formed, disciplines got warped. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs look at big giant companies as then, well, they must be doing something right. And I think we've all been sold a bit of a bill of goods. And so over the course of my career, I, I realized that there are 10 disciplines that run under every single business, whether you are a 
massive titan of a industry dominating company uh, or one person with a taco truck trying to make a living that the disciplines are there. It's just a degree of intensity and application, but you must have all 10 of the disciplines because if you don't, you are leaving growth, scalability, fun, and impact on the world all on the table. You are leeching some of your impact, some of your fun, some of your results. And I have an architecture that has been designed to help everybody solve those problems. And I, I love that you have fun in there because what I have seen over the past five years in working with entrepreneurs is that a lot of entrepreneurs end up creating a job for themselves. So mm. they they end up with this, all of a sudden, this, this business that isn't any fun because they're working all the time. It, it's a hamster wheel. It's like, honestly, sometimes corporate is easier than being on your own because, you know, like you have to inspire yourself to get up every day as opposed to, you know, just having to go and, and be, you know, with a boss or something like that. And that's that can be hard. Um, this, so The seduction of corporate, the corporate model is that the machine itself institutionalizes some of the stupidity. It, it it makes it okay, right? So I've seen entrepreneurs who say, oh, I'm great at business. I'm going to leave corporate America. I'm going to go, I'm great at hiring. What do you mean? All of my team's awesome. And then they go out, they start a business and then they have to, they get to the place where they have to hire people and all of the people, they say, all of my people are terrible. And in reality is they're great people in wrong jobs because they did it wrong. And they say, I don't understand. I used to be so good at it. It's like, well, what was good about it? HR vetted all of the, they wrote the job description that first of all, you worked for a giant company that was already a beacon to people to want to come and work there. So you didn't yeah. have to do any marketing of, of any sort in there. People were already lined up to work there. Then HR wrote, legally pre-approved job descriptions that didn't get me in trouble. And, and, and after lots of vetting and lots of corporate understanding of what the role would be, all that got filled out. Salary got determined by corporate politics and, and, and an understanding of looking at HR, looking at um, rates relative to where you are, where are we in New York versus Ohio? Okay. They did all of that salary and band and all of that calculation they vetted the first 50 people and got rid of them. And they put three pretty good candidates in front of you and you picked the one you felt best with. And you, and how dare you tell me you're great at hiring people. You're terrible yeah. at it. You didn't have any of that. Now, that machine, that entire giant corporate machine is broken, clunky, wrong, but it, it institutionalized some of the disciplines for you so that you didn't even have to think about it. And you could right. flex in your flavor and be better at someone else in that model. But it was taking care of a lot of the stuff you didn't know. Right. Right. So then you have entrepreneurs who never worked in that model. And how do they get started in business? They have a great idea. They have a great concept. Somebody pushes them something. They're either born to try to start things or somebody pushed them and said, oh, my God, chip clip. That's great. And, and now somebody's trying to create the next pet rock and they have a passion for something. So what happens? They start to get some success. They punch around at what they know about 
marketing and, and getting some things set up. They talk to their cousin who kind of, you know, dropped out second year law school, but he knows enough about that they should start a business on a, with a company that sets them up with an LLC, right? They, yeah. they find their way in there. Then they get so big, they start asking their cousin to help them box up goods. And now they're using their friend's truck to do stuff. Now they're picking up momentum. Now they have real hires. They fall ass backwards into a business and they franken and they go, they start having even more success. So then they find gurus, they go to click funnels live and they think funnels is the answer. And they do a little techie kind of stuff. They Frankenstein monster it together, a business that's making a million dollars a year and they think they're a success and they're killing themselves every day to keep this thing that while it's technically alive and lurching forward, isn't really the beautiful thing that they had always hoped it would be. It's too tiring and too onerous to look at all the big giant companies and what they do in those disciplines. So you go, I'll never be that big. I'll never be that good. Forget it. We'll do what we can. And if they are celebrating their million dollars a year, they're not realizing they could have been making 10 yes. with less effort and more fun if they had just distilled things down to the 20% of activities that would have gotten them 80% of the results and ignored what the big giants are doing because it's just not reality. Well, and I mean, I've worked with and for a lot of the giants and those like those are bohemists. Like they are mm -hmm. like, the, and they're not efficient. Like I have news. No. There are a lot of inefficiencies. And I know that you and I have both gone into those corporations and said, if you just cut out doing these kind of weird things, you can save $30 million. And the thing is, is that um, you were saying that with one of your clients, it's not even a drop in the bucket for them. Right. Didn't even so move the stock price. I saved one of those giants $30 million a year. Over three years, that's what the project was going to So $90 million in total over the three years. And it no one even applauded. It didn't move the stock price. It was a soulless activity because it's become a machine. It's not a real company with a living, breathing, feeling flow to it. And and so, yeah. And, and all I did was come in and say, you realize that 25% of your projects are duplicative of other projects in other departments, but no one talks to each other and no one has common goals and you incentivize everyone differently based on department. Do you understand that not only are, is everyone wasting money, but their bonuses are tied to whether or not they're wasting money. And they're oh, like, yeah. oh, well, you know, well, when you point it out that way, it looks dumb. No, it was always dumb. I'm just showing you that it's there. And mm -hmm. the only way you can see that it's there is by distilling everything down to its essence and saying, what are we really doing here? What are we trying to do? No, no, no. Which I, 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 right. Go. Yeah. And I think that entrepreneurs have, have a leg up on corporate in this, in this sense, yes. in the sense that take a breath, right. And go back and you don't have to dismantle like a big behemoth, like Apple or Adobe or anything like that, that has all these processes and, and, you know, just grandfathered stuff all over the place. But when you're starting your business or when you're in your business and you are thinking at least that you're ready to scale, what are some of the core fundamentals? Cause we talked about this a little bit it's been around kind of mission and vision. Cause if you don't have some of that, then it's really difficult to do your messaging or do your hiring or do the things that you do need to do when you are ready to scale. 
Um, yeah. And people try to scale without these things and they fail. Yeah, people come to me for, and you know, the most often things they come to me for are what I call serenity, which is time management. They say, I'm, I'm overworked. I, I don't know what to work on. I say, I, I can't even begin to clear up your calendar unless I know who you are, what you're trying to do. Well, you get that. You can look at my website. No, no, no. I want to really unveil this and see, was this built in the right way? And is your heart in the right place? And do you understand the true impact of strategic planning? Because a lot of people throw that out the window or they do some, I'm not talking what's your strategic plan and the dude's le leaning on a, on a Lamborghini and he's throwing money in the air going, I'm making it make it rain this year. That's my plan. That's not a plan. That's a wild hope. That's, that's marketing hubbub. You're, who are you? What are your core values? These are the things by which I will live and die. That leveraged everywhere helps you on go, go on vacation for three months without ever having a conversation with every, anyone. Because so long as everybody in your organization lives and breathes by those same core values, that when a new thing happens that we didn't anticipate, if you know that one of our core values here is we tell the truth no matter what, even if it's, it impacts us negatively, that's one of our core values Then I don't have to tell you, Catherine, that if I'm not there and a client comes and asks us a question and it's going to hurt us to be truthful, we're truthful. You will never get in trouble for that here, right? People yeah. can make their own operating procedures where there weren't ones before. That kind of leverage, that's just one way that you leverage that, mm -hmm. right? But then mission, who do we really serve? That avatar if you don't know who that avatar is, I don't know how you write any of your marketing. I don't know how you write any of your job postings. I don't know how you develop your brand because you're not even sure who you're serving and why. Well, I don't know how you make brand promises, right? Yeah. And so then what you'll do is, and I don't know how you do your process management because if you're not automating processes that are the value drivers for your end user, then you are probably automating processes to make your life easier, possibly at the expense of your clients. My own, my own. Uh, I had a, an accountant for years and years and years, decades. He sold to somebody else. Young guy comes in, obviously was thinking, I could make more money if I automate a bunch of this stuff. Well, all the stuff he automated was not in making my life easier. It was making his back office easier. And now me, my parents, and five other business owners I know who all used him are all saying, we're going to go somewhere else. This got really terrible. It's yeah. confusing. It's awful. Well, yeah, he got way more efficient for him. But that's because he forgot who his avatar was and what his mission was. So there's so much um, leverage around mission, vision, what we're trying to serve, what we're trying to accomplish that... I couldn't do a lot of the other disciplines with, with entrepreneurs if that wasn't done right. Like if you don't have your strategic planning done right, I don't think you can get any of the other 10 disciplines correct. And if you get that right, it's hard to get the rest of them wrong. That's kind of a hidden value in the architecture uh, right. because a lot of people, like I said, they come to me for, I'm overworked. Well, I don't know what you should be working on unless I know what your projects are. And I don't know what your project should be unless I know what your mission is, what this quarterly goal is, unless we can do that kind of strategic planning, I don't know how to tell you how to. And then the second thing is they come to me for marketing. They say, 
I got issues in my business, but more revenue will solve everything. Well, that revenue comes from an increased fulfillment. And if your processes are already broken, if you can't fulfill now, the worst thing I could do is 10X your clients because it will crush you. And that has happened to businesses, right? Well, We've yeah, seen- I mean, if you, uh, and and just to, to, to kind of take this out of like kind of a product space and into a service space, I mean, you can only serve so many one-on-one clients, mm-hmm. right? Like you only have so much time. Like, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just, the way it is. So 10 yeah. xing your client base may not be the way to go. So how do you do group coaching? Well, you have to do group coaching a little differently. You still have to fulfill, right? You still have to have the 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 facilitation and the back end consumer experience. Yep. Right. So like from from onboarding all the way through to talking and, and having support and and all the rest of it, if that's not there, then 10 xing your business will actually break your business. Amen. Right. So you talked about the 10, the 10 disciplines, and this is the, the 10 disciplines that go across like any business, whether you're Apple or Tesla, or you are the taco com- or the taco company or the truck, um, or you're a solopreneur, um, yep. you know, coach, mindset coach, for example. Yeah. Um, and having these 10 disciplines are, are the basis for basically, if you want to be Apple, you can be with these 10 you could be Apple, you could be comfortable being that solopreneur, but but you will feel better, more energized, it'll be more fun, it'll feel like flow, it won't be the chaotic mess, the arduous task that it already might feel like because you're not chasing a false promise. It can be more simple. The dynamics have to be there. You can't yes. not plan strategically. And in the way that I tell you to do it, it's 20% of the work with 80% of the results. You can't not think about inspiration, leadership. Even if it's only you, you've got to be able to get out of bed. You've got to be the example. Yeah. But if you have 100 people, you've got to be nailing this. And leadership, different than management. Because yeah. we all know people, managers who, who can manage but can't lead and leaders who can lead but can't manage. They're two different disciplines, two different concepts. But you need to be able to also manage yourself. Am I optimized? Right, because I call it home. I don't call it HR. I call it home. Humans optimized in a meaningful environment. Are you in the optimal state to kill it today? Are your people in the optimal state, and there are ways that we can make that happen inside of how you construct your business that are simple, easy, and part of your natural day-to-day course of business, and is in a meaningful environment, meaning I hate to see, you know this, Catherine, corporate jobs where people feel like, I just pull these levers, and then I go home, and I get a paycheck, and I come in and do that, that slog every day until I retire. That's terrible. People need to be able to connect what they're doing with the end recipient for the value that they're creating. Whether that's external, I do this so our clients get free homes, right? I work for a charitable organization, I do this thing so people can get fed, or I pull these levers so people can solve this problem. Or if they're not that close, I do this report so that Gary can do his job so that they can then help. So understanding this value chain from taking nothing to something of value in the world and understanding your place in it as an employee makes you a team member, regardless of what you're called, an associate, team member, employee, cog number seven, doesn't matter. I know 
my beautiful value in the world in this job. And if I'm hired in the right way for the right values and the right mission, I am going to walk through walls for you as an employer. That's the way you want to set up your people. That's the way you want to set yourself up. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that is the way you want to set yourself up. So um, how would somebody or how would a business um, kind of learn a little bit more about maybe where they need to tweak or or where like, you know, there's 10 disciplines, but like, how can they get um, maybe an assessment? Oh, on- I like the way you think. You sound really smart when you say things like that. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I'm being ridiculous on purpose. We have fun. So uh, the way would be what if dot com slash bad B-A-D. So what if with a D for disruption, W-H-A-D-I-F. I'm from New Jersey. I'm sorry. That's how we say what if. It's what if. Hey, what <laughs> if we change the world? What if dot com slash bad. I'll also send you the link for that. If you go there, you will have the assessment that I used to charge six figures to the corporate big giant companies. Just charge thousands of dollars to have them take this assessment and have me review the results with them. I have now made this into a quick and simple diagnostic where within eight minutes, it's okay if it takes 10, you wanna think about it, but look, 10 minutes of your time and you will get a report that says, by answering these questions, and they're not hard questions, they're little sliders. It'll say, I share with my employees X information. It's either a, in your mind, never, always, I don't know, slide it somewhere there. Really easy to answer. Inside of 10 minutes, you will answer these questions and I will deliver a diagnostic that is going to give you a really, really accurate report of where you are in your business. Even if you've barely started anything, answer it from yourself. If it talks about employees, if it talks about your people, put a zero. We'll talk about it if we need to. You understand what the results are going to come back when they say, but you'll get a report that says, this is probably what your business looks like. And here's what to do next. Yes. You don't even have to talk to anybody. Take the exam, take the diagnostic. It'll tell you where it looks like your business is and what you should do next. And then if you want to have a conversation, unpack it and understand, is the answer really this? Was I being too hard? Was I being too light? It doesn't seem, if it seems off a little, we'll talk about it. It rarely is. But then we can have that conversation if you want. And we still are, will not be selling you anything on that. Um, on that call. This is really just about clarity moving forward in a massive way. So get get a uh, baseline of where you are. Get a baseline of where you are and a look forward to what what it might take to to improve those scores. Because the, and I can can tell you because I've done this, I've done the Frankenstein, I've done the, you know, the, oh, if I do it myself, I can, you know, I can, you know, cobble together this CRM and and this email service provider and God knows whatever else I've done. Um, And it can... God help you if something breaks because you don't know where it broke or or how to fix it. It could be easier than that, folks. It 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 can be. So, and it really does start, especially for solopreneurs or especially for um you know smaller businesses. It does start with your core mission and it does start with your core values. And honestly, Apple started there. Nike started there. Like they all started there. They may they not be did. there now, but that's where they did start. One hundred percent. And so, people don't see that as why they got there. They see, right. well, they had a brilliant idea. They did other stuff. They got a lot of, they fundraised early on. You think any of that was going to happen if they didn't look like they had their stuff together? It would not have happened. Right. And 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 they get, they get dinged if they go off brand. 
right? They they do. Yeah. They if they if they you know go off onto a tangent that's like, what the hell is that? If you Nike want has to gotten be... dinged, like Apple has gotten dinged on it. So you know, Bud you gotta, Light you is true. Bud Light is a glaring, shining example of breaking the brand promise. They didn't know they were doing it. Someone had might have had. You can say what you want. Come out wherever you want on their intentions and whether you like what they were doing or not like what they were doing. That's all social commentary that has nothing to do with the fact that they had a brand and there was a brand promise and people forgot it. And those people reminded them by leaving. That's it. Those are yep. facts. The math is the path. It is true. And so you need to be cognizant of, and that's why don't build a brand that isn't in line with your core values because yes. you're going to be subject to breaking it. You will not, because if you're orchestrating it, I want to say this is our brand to have this message to talk to these people so that I can make money. That's where you go south as opposed to here's who I am. Here's the thing I know I can solve because I want to solve it for them. And then in doing that and delivering that, the money will come in droves and never leave because you never break that brand promise. And you're attracting the people that you want to work with because you actually care that they're getting the solution. That Like you- a magnet. Like a magnet like a and magnet. repelling the ones that you don't. The beautiful, beautiful thing about, about a magnet is it has two polarities. You want to push away the ones you don't want. Exactly. So yeah. if you are interested in um, in understanding a little bit where your business currently is, um, go to whatif.com um, slash bad. Is that correct? Yes, slash bad, right? the business um, architecture diagnostic. It will be in the uh, in the show notes as well. There'll be a link there. Um, but uh, Sean, thank you so much for coming on to kickstart the conversation. I've had a blast and I, uh, I appreciate your time. And to everyone out there, safe travels and we will talk to you soon. Well, that's it for today's episode of Kickstart the Conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your time with us. We hope you found our discussion about leads, lists, and leveraging relationships helpful. As we've learned, asking well-designed questions is the key to kickstarting conversations with your ideal clients, building authentic relationships, and ultimately driving more sales. So get out there and start asking those intentional questions. Your ideal clients are waiting for you. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. While you're at it, leave a rating and review and be sure to share it with your friends. We have lots of great conversations coming up every week that you won't want to miss. Until next time, keep asking great questions and kickstarting those conversations.